Here at the All In Podcast, we love talking about sports. That's pretty much our main topic. And in sports, you need to be reliable. Well, what's more reliable than Tavon's Lawn Care, LLC? It's a Black-owned family business in York, PA. Uh, Tavon's Lawn Care, or TLC for short, since they provide each job with tender love and care, has been in business for over (laughs) 10 years. Founded by owner Tavon Parker, TLC aims to provide employment for underprivileged youth while providing great service at a reasonable rate. You can visit Tavon's Lawn Care LLC.com or Tavon's Lawn Care on Facebook and Instagram to view their portfolio and request your cost-free quote now. So if you need any kind of lawn care or landscaping job, visit Tavon's Lawn Care for your landscaping needs. Hey guys, welcome back to the All In Podcast. Uh, I'm one of the co-hosts, Mike Badzik, joined as always by my co-host, Eli Cooper. What's up, man? Not much, man. How you doing? We're doing good. Uh, We are very excited. We had NBA basketball this weekend, Uh, so we've been thirsting for basketball. It's been a while. We've been talking about it a lot, and then we finally got to see some games. How was that? It was great, man. It was truly great to have basketball back again, Um, you know, and... It, from watching on TV, it didn't really feel any different. You know what I mean? Like without any fans there and, and completely neutral courts. And, you know, I don't know if everyone else felt the same way, you know, but for me, I was just happy to see basketball back. So it didn't really matter. Uh, and yeah. and it kind of tells me that that stuff never really mattered to me. You know what I mean? Like I'm just focused yeah. on the game, but um, especially that opening night, man, the games were, were extremely exciting to watch. Um, and I also have to give a big shout out to the NBA man mm-hmm. for what they have done as far as making sure um, the conversation continues around the Black Lives Matter movement. Yeah, um, and I think that's that's super important. Um, obviously, it was an issue that Kyrie brought up, and I have to give him a lot of credit too, man. Like him threatening to have guys sit out, obviously, you know, sent a big enough message to the NBA. You know, right. whether whether they were going to do this or not, I don't know. But like he raised the issue. You know what I mean? That hey, you know, we need to keep the conversation going. I think this is doing a better job of keeping the conversation going than if they didn't play. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like because I felt like it was dying down a little bit, and now they're constantly reminding you before every game, after every game, uh, the reporters are doing a wonderful job asking every single person to speak about, you know, the movement and and talk about what the name, what it says on the back of their jerseys and stuff like that. All that is super important and and extremely cool to me. So I think uh, the NBA, obviously best run league in America uh, Mm -hmm. is doing a phenomenal, a phenomenal job. Yeah. uh, Handling this uh, NBA restart. Yeah. And that's like one of the biggest things is like the reporters, uh, sidelines, like every time that someone comes over for a thing, like the first question is, what does this mean for social justice? Like, how are you guys using this? And I think that's really cool. And, you know, good on ESPN too for for allowing that platform to be spoken. And, you know, they're doing a lot in their commercials. TNT as well, obviously, is having a ton of programming. TNT probably bigger than ESPN, really. Uh, so I think that's been great. And then, yeah, just from a, a, uh, aesthetically, it looks good. And, and I was kind of worried about it. And even in the first couple, like, run-up games, uh, it didn't look as good as it did this weekend. It, it was still, you could tell they added some more stuff. And 
uh, you know, the crowd noise was a little bit better. I still think, you know, maybe whatever. I don't like the virtual fans. I think it's cute, I guess. But I think ultimately I'd probably get rid of the virtual fans. Uh, but, like, I mean, I think it just kind of makes you realize, like, do we really care about fans anyway? Like, I just think fans, you know, mostly it's just noise. Um, and, and when you compare it, like, to baseball, like, baseball coming back and you see all the empty seats... Like, that's weird for me. Like, when I see a baseball game and there's a foul ball and it's all the empty seats. Like, basketball, you don't really get that. Um, you know, you can tell that it's sort of different, but you know, I think ultimately they've done a, a really nice job with it. So, um, we want to talk about some of the big games that happened this weekend. Uh, you know, obviously there's a lot that matters in these eight seeding games that are going to happen. Uh, so, we want to touch on, you know, some of the biggest ones and kind of maybe look ahead to the stuff coming up. Uh, the first one we want to talk about was the headliner Thursday night. First night back, Lakers, Clippers, everyone was tuned in. It was so nice to have a uh, NBA Twitter ba uh, night back. You know, everyone joining the conversation. It was really cool. Uh, Lakers ultimately ended up winning on the LeBron James. You know, he had the little floater, missed it, got it back, and uh, scored. And then he, he, he locked up Kawhi and Paul George in the last possession and, and sealed the win. Uh, so, Coop, what were your overall thoughts on the game? And... You know, uh, what did we learn about about these teams during this game? Well, number one, we all as NBA fans need to thank Anthony Davis for demanding a trade out of New Orleans. <laughs> we have an obligation to that man to thank him uh, for, for forcing his way to the Los Angeles Lakers because yeah. the Lakers being primetime television is just great for the NBA, period. I don't care yeah. what anyone says. Second the Pelicans are in a much better spot in my opinion than they yeah. were when they had Anthony Davis. They had no future. They had no direction, not really any cap space to get talent around him. So mm -hmm. the trade he demanded actually really put them in a great spot. They got multiple assets. Brandon Ingram has been incredible for them. Yeah. So Anthony Davis's trade was huge for the NBA and two, two franchises really. Right. But we get to watch Anthony Davis play primetime basketball now. And like we talked about in the last episode, the Clippers have no answer for him at yep. all. They, he's a complete mismatch problem, and he's the biggest issue that the Clippers have. And, the, and it's weird because the Clippers are better in every other facet of the game. <laughs> but they have no answer for None. Anthony Davis. And he's so dominant that he can literally beat them I, four times by himself. It's, that's how bad the matchup, the mismatch is. Yeah. So that's a huge concern. If I'm the Clippers, you know, for in that regards. However, if I'm the Lakers, I think it's time to seriously consider going away from the two-big-man system. Um, their offense was very stagnant. LeBron mm -hmm. had absolutely no room to operate, um, you know, for, and he struggled badly and, yeah. and didn't look good in the second game either, but specifically in this one. Um, at least on the offensive end. And it, to me, it looked like there was not, a, it was because there was not enough spacing. And late in that third quarter, right before Anthony Davis went on his run, they mm -hmm. went to the Kyle Kuzma at the four AD at the yeah. five lineup. Deion Waiters came on and they made a run. They got that got them back in the game. I think they were down as many as 13 or 11, something like that. And Anthony Davis got hot. Well, the, the reason Anthony Davis is so much better at the five is one, the floor spacing with Kuzma increases. So he has more room to operate when he's inside and two, the pick and roll game opens up. Even if it's yeah. through LeBron, 
because when he rolls, when JaVale McGee or Dwight Howard is there, it's easy for Dwight or JaVale's man to sit in the middle there and help on both the roll and be there on Dwight. So it's not, there's not enough spacing, you know, for LeBron, AD and Dwight in that paint. It looks, it looked like the Sixers, honestly, when they were starting yeah. Horford, what it looked like. So, and, and their ball movement got incredibly better um, once they went to the, to the smaller lineup. So, you know, I know AD is like hell bent on playing the four and, yeah. and, for some reason he thinks that's his better position. I think the analytics would disagree. I'd, I'd love to see the numbers. I'm a, I'm a hundred percent sure he yeah. is 10 times better at the five. Uh, we saw it when Boogie went down, when he was on the Pelicans in that playoff series, he was completely dominant. Him and Rondo's pick and roll game was incredible. And we're seeing it again. Now, Anthony Davis, I'm sorry, sir. You are a five. <laughs> yeah, he is a five, and and the numbers certainly uh, suggest that not only he's better at the five, but his team around him performs better when he's at the five. Um, you know, I think that you're right. The Clippers do not have an answer for Anthony Davis. Uh, you know, unless it's Montrezl Harrell when he comes back. Obviously, he didn't play as well as Lou Williams. I think uh, I think that that does matter. Both of those guys not being there. Uh, when you talk about the Lakers getting a close win, maybe those guys would have been able to help out just enough. You know, Lou Williams is – I think we saw a couple possessions where Kawhi or Paul George maybe didn't have it or, or when one of those guys was off the court and then it was like, you know, seven seconds in the shot clock. Oh, what do we do? I don't know. Uh, you know, I think Lou Williams maybe gets you four out of eight of those possessions. Maybe he's able to save them. Uh, so maybe that's really useful. Uh, but as far as Anthony Davis, like, I just don't know who stops him in the playoffs, who matches up with him. You know, and LeBron did not have a great game. Uh, specifically, the first half was was not great at all. A little rust there maybe coming out of the break, but it uh, wasn't great, certainly. Um, as far as looking forward here, I think that uh, we did learn some things. Uh, one, as we discussed, we probably already knew this, that they don't have an answer for Anthony Davis. But also, I think the Lakers might need another ball handler uh, and we're trying to transition here now kind of to the Lakers and Raptors game which saw the Raptors win and, and that's something that we were talking about during the game is they don't really have that other uh, creator off the wing I mean Davis is really the second creator uh, off the dribble besides LeBron um, you know so that's an issue for them and then to talk about the Raptors who you know I've been I've been preaching this Raptors talk for a while now Man, they looked really good. They looked really solid. And Kyle Lowry uh, looked like he wanted some votes for uh, third or second team All-NBA. And uh, he was able to drop 30 points. I think he had 33 and 11 rebounds and uh, maybe five or six assists. Like He was just everywhere. Um, they were attacking Kyle Kuzma uh, relentlessly. Every It seemed like every time uh, they had a, a favorable matchup on Kuzma, they were going right at him, whether it was a switch on Lowry or Van Fleet. But really, even Siakam or Inanobi, they were all trying to go at Kyle Kuzma. So, you know, that could be an area of concern for the uh, Lakers as well. What did you see in the Lakers-Raptors game? Yeah, so uh, I agree that uh, that additional playmaker, ball handler is the problem. Yeah. Uh, and Deion Waiters has looked good, right, in his first two games. Yeah. Um, really good actually, but it hasn't been as a playmaker. It's been like off the ball. Like he's had some moments obviously on the ball, but like they haven't given him the rock and been like, you know, let's run these high pick and rolls through D waiters. His stuff is mostly coming off of like catch and shoots or, Mm -hmm. you know, catch shot, fake drives, stuff like that. 
um, where he's, he's looked really good. And maybe they yeah. take a look at that, right. Cause he's playing well, say, okay, well let's, let's give Dion waiter some more touches. Yeah. Um, I think that might be something that they'll have to look at, especially when LeBron's off the floor mm-hmm. um, is, is making him the primary ball handler. It seems like it's like Caruso is yeah. the primary ball handler, but he's and not Caruso like played well. Uh, yeah. Defensively he played really well. Yeah, but he's he doesn't look comfortable like playmaking like mm-hmm. in the half in a half court setting. Um, he wants to be off the ball, so I think yeah. I think Dion would be more comfortable in that. And I think that might be something that they have to look at. Um, but from the Raptors' perspective, man, this is what we talked about right in the yeah. tier two video. Um, you know, for those of you listening on YouTube or if you if you listen on audio, we all talked about how the Raptors are the one team from that tier two who could make an argument for tier one. Mm-hmm. Um, and LeBron said after the game, you know, they won a championship for more for more reasons than just Kawhi Leonard. And that's right. what again, it's something I've been trying to preach to people all year, you know, that this team was so good without Kawhi Leonard. Like that mm-hmm. and you know, a lot of times we get stuck into who the star is and Kawhi had an incredible playoff run. So like, I get it, but like, he didn't carry that no. team by any, by any sense of the imagination other than like late game, big time shots was his role. Right. Well, I mean, it looks like they have other guys who can do that too. You know, Kyle yeah. Lowry made some huge shots last night that put the Lakers away uh, down the stretch. Um, Siakam is, you know, better than advertised as well. So like, um, and it's just, it's a total team effort. And those are the teams that honestly scare you the most is that Mm -hmm. like, you don't know who is going to beat you on a nightly basis. You just know it's going to be somebody. Um, and, and you pretty much know, like you can kind of key on Kawhi Leonard. I mean, um, um, Kyle Lowry and Siakam, right. Cause they're the two biggest names, but like Fred Van Viet, Van Vliet can give you buckets. Um, Norman Powell can get hot. Right. OG Ananumbi has looked good. He's not necessarily a uh, someone who scares you offensively, but solid two-way wing. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, and then obviously you have Marcus All. So it's that's the kind of teams that that scare me in the playoffs. Especially, I I can't wait to see them against the Bucks. Yeah. Um. You know, I'm not sure. I haven't looked at the schedule, so I'm not sure if they have them in this last eight game stretch. Uh, but whether it's playoff time or or mm. beforehand. Yeah. Um, Everybody in the East should be concerned. And the thing that stood out to me more so even than you know, the different ways that they can score, you know, all the guys that you named, the defense and the defensive schemes that they had uh, to stop the LeBron penetration and to, you know, the way that they shade away from shooters. But, you know, they have such good rotations. Like Nick Nurse is just really a mastermind on the defensive end, even more so. I think he is offensively as well. But defensively, like – the stuff that he draws up is just really unbelievable. And, you know, when you have so many coachable guys, right, like seven guys who are just coachable, high IQ, uh, it makes it so much easier as a team defense. And you saw it. And I think that, you know, like you mentioned, going up against Giannis in the playoffs here probably is going to be a similar style to how they faced LeBron, you know, because they're kind of the similar driving and kick, you know, they play almost similar type ways. Um, but, you know, you're probably going to see a lot of that same – uh, tactics against the Bucks, and it's really encouraging as a Raptors fan to see that it works so well against uh, LeBron, especially like when this this weekend we saw so many offensive explosions from so many teams. It seemed like nobody could get a stop, um, and then you saw the Raptors when they came out and like they really held the Lakers in check. So yeah, it was very promising uh, as a Raptors fan, and 
Uh, you know, we'll see. They they got another. They got more big games coming up. But you know, I feel really good about the Raptors right now as you know one of the two teams to be coming out of the East. So, all right, let's talk about the eight seed race in the West. Uh, something we've talked about a lot in our previous episodes of, of how is this going to shake out, and you know, we got a couple of answers of how these teams are going to look. You know, we saw the Pelicans lose on Thursday night in the first game. Uh, questionable coaching decisions with Zion on a minute restriction ended up not playing in the final minutes there. Uh, they capped him at 15 minutes, not really because of health. I think he's just trying to get into shape, um, it sounds like. Uh, and then the following day, we saw Grizzlies Blazers. And Grizzlies Blazers was a great game. Went to overtime. Melo stepped up, hit a couple of huge shots. Jaron Jackson Jr. went off for 30 plus. Like, it was just a fun, entertaining game. And if that was the 8-9 matchup, uh, and we got two of those, assuming the Blazers would win the first one, I think I'd be really entertained with that. Um, what did you think of, of Grizzlies, Blazers? What did you learn from that? Well, the first thing um, that stuck out to me, like, early on in the game is I thought they did a really good job on John Morant. Yeah. Um, which, you know, the the Blazers, you know, biggest knock on their backcourt is, like, they get buckets, but CJ and Dame have not been known as defenders. Right. Um, and they did a pretty good job of bottling him up, especially early on. He, he, had, he had a stretch where, you know, he, he started playing a little bit better, but, like, ultimately he had, you know, 22 points on seven of 2020 – I mean, seven of 22 shooting. That's mm. essentially what you want to do, right, to – you're the primary playmaker on the Grizzlies. So is make him as inefficient as possible. Um, now, yeah, like you said, Jaron Jackson gave them some, some big problems. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, that kind of, that was one of my concerns is like, you know, Zach Collins is good, but like, can he handle some of the better like fours, you know what I mean? That he's going to see coming, you know, coming up. So, um, and then, you know, mellow defensively, at the three, you don't love that, but like yeah. offensively, he offensively he was fine. He was. Um, so that's going to be. I think that's going to be the Blazers' thing is to just kind of, you know, outscore you, and they absolutely can do it. They got three guys because um, Melo can still get buckets at the end of the day. So they got three guys who can score the basketball at a high clip. Yeah. Um, they really just need to get enough stops to, you know, what I mean to to win games. Yeah. I don't. I don't know if it necessarily makes them the favorite out of this like group of teams that's battling for the eight seed. I, I mean, I'd probably still take the Grizzlies over them, but um, I don't know. I, I, I think we could, we could certainly see them in a play in game. Yeah. Um, And all the guys um, that the Blazers have to give you buckets is, is really crazy. And the defense was the issue. And I think, you know, Nurkic and Collins being out for so long really hurt that because Hassan Whiteside was back there and, he was kind of the last line of defense, and if he's the last line of defense, you really don't have much. <laughs> he doesn't really do much back there defensively. He blocks a lot of shots, but it's mostly a creation of laziness that just puts him around the hoop. Um, so that helps a lot that they were back. I mean, I don't think Nurkic or Collins played great. They both fouled out, and they didn't have him in the overtime. Um, so, you know, they were able to do it without them. Um, you know, CJ McCollum was going off and the whole, like in the, in the scrimmage games too, he was going off. So like something is different with him right now, uh, to where he's just like on another level right now. Uh, I don't, I don't know, you know, if, if, if he's like the top guy over Dame, I think Dame is still that guy. But when you have two of those guys, when you have two guards and we're big college basketball, uh, guys, and we always talk about the guards in a 
tournament type setting. And that's another thing that we talked about is how it kind of feels like, uh, you know, March Madness, Elite Eight, um, Final Four because of the way the court is set up and, and just like the overall feel of the tournament. But like guards are just so important. And when you have two of them who can go out there and score at a clip like that, uh, that's really tough. That's really tough to beat. Um, so that game went to overtime. So we're not sure if the Blazers are the team to beat yet. Uh, I had picked the Grizzlies to, to be that eight seed, and, and you had picked the Pelicans. Now, the Pelicans lost their first two games coming out here in the bubble, uh, the first one to the Jazz on opening night, like I mentioned, and then uh, yesterday here, just not a good performance against the Clippers. Um, are you still feeling good about that Pelicans pick, or are you, are you ready to move on from them? So I'm not going to give up on them just yet. Um, only because I don't know when this Zion minutes restriction is going to end. Um, yeah. if, but if they plan on doing it in any more of these games, um, yeah, I'll, I'll have to switch my pick. Cause I don't, they can't beat the Grizzlies with mm-hmm. Zion playing 15 minutes. Um, and then you got the Kings. Maybe you can beat the wizards, you know, yeah, that's the only team on the schedule. I can definitely give you a win against with Zion playing 15 minutes. So I, I mean, and it, it's, I know it's got to be frustrating for him, especially in that Utah game. Like you probably came into this eight, eight games, you know, prepared to lose to the Clippers, right? Mm-hmm. You know, that was probably expected, but the jazz game was up for grabs and it's close down the stretch. I don't see why playing him in the last three to four minutes <laughs> kills him like yeah. i know like i guess his conditioning is the issue because it, it's not an injury they're just concerned that he just got back to the bubble right. so my thing is like okay you're telling me that he is so out of shape he could not give you three minutes at the end of the game because if that's the it. case if that's the case you have a huge problem yeah. to where this guy can't play 18 minutes of basketball at this age you know what I mean? Like I, that doesn't make any sense to me. I think in that case, if I'm Alvin Gentry, I'm like, okay, I know doctor said 15 minutes. We need this win. This is crucial. Right. Um, and it sucks because like Brandon Ingram played so well, um, you know, for most of that game, he, he got a little cold towards the end. Yeah. Um, and I, I truly think having Zion on the floor you know, when Brandon Ingram got cold is exactly what they needed. Like, I, I think that I truly believe they win that game as Zion's on the floor in the last three minutes. Um, and that's what you were playing him in burst. What's one more burst? Right. And that's the thing. It's like the last three minutes there, like, even if you put him out there and he's not, you don't, you're not running through sets through him or something like that. Just put him out there and create a little bit of space for, for BI to do his thing. Cause you know, Ingram had a great game until, you know, really the fourth quarter there last seven minutes. I think he, he missed every shot after that. Like, oh, like, get him some help out there. You know, JJ Redick was playing great, and then I think things just got a little stagnant. Maybe Zion is that explosiveness that you need to re-energize you. Like, I, I just can't understand how, like, 15 minutes. Like, okay, like, I'm sure that some team doctor figured out the the math, and and that's the perfect number to play him at. I mean. Hard to imagine that that is a number that really is set in stone when, when you're not talking about an injury-related uh, rest. But, you know, I, that's the number. Well, maybe if that's the number, then you plan this out to where he's out there at the end of the games, right? Like, 
maybe you don't put him for that spurt in the second quarter, like save him for the end of the game. Because at the end of the day, like he's 19 and he's, you know, working his way back and he's hasn't had a ton of experience, but I don't really think you could argue that he's worse than your third best player, maybe your fourth best player. Like you need him out there. These are important games. This isn't, these aren't the scrimmages anymore where you're resting guys. This isn't even really like a regular season game. This is like, you need these games now. And now this sets up on Monday, Pelicans Grizzlies, right? Like this is going to be huge. If, if the Pelicans lose this game, okay, now we're talking about potentially it being over with, right? Cause then you're five games back. Uh, and not only are you five games back and you need to be within what we say, three and a half or four games to, to force the elimination tournament. But then you've got the Blazers who are over you, and, and the Blazers right now, as we're recording this, it's it's about 4.30 on Sunday. They're losing to the Celtics, but if they win that game, um, you know, they're going to be even closer. So then you've got to jump them and get within the four games, not even to mention we haven't even brought up the Kings and the Suns and the Spurs. Um, and the Suns and the Spurs looked actually pretty good in their, in their first games back. The Kings not so much, but... Uh, you know, I think if the Pelicans lose on Monday now, we're going to have serious doubts about whether or not they can come back from it. Uh, you know, I will say, if you look at the schedules, the upcoming the upcoming schedules after Monday's game, it's a lot easier for the Pelicans than it is for the Blazers or the Grizzlies, but especially the Blazers. They actually have it pretty tough. Uh, so I w- uh, you know, maybe you don't count them out from, from catching the Blazers, but five games back, oh, man, that's tough with five games to go, right? Like, essentially. Yeah, and that's the thing. So, the, And that's the thing is, like, the Spurs are ahead of them and Portland's ahead of them, and the Kings are ahead of them now because they dropped the first two. Right. Um, obviously, um, like you said, we're recording 4.30 on a Sunday, so Spurs and Grizzlies play each other tonight, and Kings play the Magic. Yeah. So the Kings could go up a whole – game and a half ahead of you and then regardless of what happens in memphis in the spurs game someone's going up above you right or is making this more difficult if the grizzlies win okay maybe you you know you're only a half game back from the spurs they're still ahead of you but now the grizzlies are they're five and a half games ahead of you going into your game on monday so your whole game and a half further back if they beat the spurs tonight and if the Spurs beat them, now the Spurs are two games ahead of you yeah. for that ninth spot. So it's just like it's you're in a you're in a tough spot right now, man. Um, to where Monday becomes a must win mm-hmm. um, to to even give you a shot, and then you you don't really control as much of your destiny as you did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, really, these are all these are all going to be. I mean, from this point on, Pelicans. I think if you're the Pelicans, you came into this bubble thinking. You know, we've got eight games. I think at a minimum you're saying, okay, we need to win at least probably five. If we go five and three, then I think we give ourselves a good chance. Okay, well, you can lose one more game now if that's your math, right? Like, these are all must-win games, uh, really, for the position that they put themselves in. And, yeah, like, Elvin Gentry, like, that. I've got questions for why you would sit Zion like that. That's just – it's unorthodox, to say the least, and I think that was really bad timing. Uh, if nothing else so all right let's uh let's take it to some eastern conference teams uh we we saw a big matchup celtics bucks a lot of people have this as a eastern conference final preview 
Um, what did you see? Do you think that the Celtics have enough that, that they could beat the Bucks in a series? No, they don't. Mm. Um, not in a series. They can steal a game or two, um, but I think it's light and day, to be honest with you. Um, wow. And I think it's because – the Celtics stars are just so young, right? I mean, as much as I love Jason Tatum and how great I think he is, yeah. um, he was awful against the Bucks. You know what I mean? And and the Bucks are a very good defensive team. So like that's kind of expected, right? Is like yeah. you know, he obviously he's gonna struggle with like uh, Chris Middleton or Giannis guarding him, whoever, you know, is his matchup. It's gonna change, but like then they throw they can throw multiple different guys at him really throughout the game that can guard him. But right. like in crunch time, if Giannis is on him, can you really expect him to be, you know, Jason, superstar Jason Tatum that we saw after the All-Star break? I don't think so, no. I don't think so. And, and again, I like Jalen Brown a lot too, but like, again, so if you, if you have Giannis on, Chris, on uh, Jason Tatum and you got Chris Middleton on Jalen Brown, like, I like that defensive matchup if I'm the Bucks, you yeah. know, late in games. So, um, and then now – Granted, we have to take into consideration that Kemba played 19 minutes yeah. and is yeah. clearly being restricted here. Um, so that matters. But, like, how much? You know what I mean? Like, is he the sole difference between the Celtics and the Bucks? Um, so the Celtics can push them for sure um, and, and can test them. Yeah. I, but if, if you're asking me, like, confidence of the Celtics beating the Bucks in a playoff series, I'd put it at, like, a three max maybe yeah. healthy Kemba pushes it to a four mm. yeah I, I um I, I probably would agree with you on that confidence level and probably in that same three or four range you know I do think that the Kemba I think the biggest argument for why that matters would be the backup is Brad Wanamaker who you know hail to Pitt that's my guy from from Pitt but not exactly who you want out there playing 26 minutes in a in a playoff type game so you know, that obviously is a big hole, and, and when it's filled by Brad Wanamaker, I just, ugh, that's not great for the Celtics. Um, you know, I think Kemba, when he was out there, he looked kind of Kemba-ish. I think he, he was doing his thing for the most part. Now, Tatum was terrible. Uh, Tatum was, just, what was he, uh, 2 of 18. So, like, man, five points, really? Like, didn't even, you know, he didn't get even, he didn't get to the line. Like, you know, just the thing, all the good things that we were seeing from Jason Tatum, in the second half of the year were not there. And maybe it's, you know, maybe it was just a bad game. It might have been, and maybe it was just a terrible game, and, and he'll recover. And if, you know, if that happens, if this is just a one-off type game where, all right, Tatum sucked today. Let's move on. You know, Kemba only played 19 minutes. Maybe in the playoffs, Tatum doesn't suck, at least not this bad suck. And Kemba's playing, you know, 30 minutes, and Broadway Wanamaker's reserved to, to 12 to 15 minutes. Well, then I think maybe you have a case. Uh, but but at the end of the day, it's just because you know, even they started the game, and I think the Bucks got out to like a seventeen to two lead. Like for a second there, I was thinking like, oh man, this is this is going to be a twenty one quick. Uh, get the Celtics out of here. But they fought back to their credit. Marcus Smart is tough. You know, I, I know offensively he doesn't have all the things you would want, but like he's got the grit. You know, he's got the toughness. Whatever that's worth, it's worth more to some people than others. I think it's worth a lot to the Celtics. Uh, he definitely has leadership and. Offensively, he did his thing, and defensively, he, he's always a menace. So, you know, Marcus Smart stepping up is big time for them. I don't know. I probably uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna be reserved on the Celtics. I I see them as a second round exit, uh, probably to the Raptors. 
but you know these uh, these seeding games are, are going to mean a little bit here, uh, and that really leads us perfectly into Philly and Indiana, who were tied for the five and six seeds uh, coming into into this game. So Bonus is not in the bubble with Indiana. Oladipo is, and he played, uh, but T.J. Warren was the story. Fifty-three points. Uh, I, I didn't watch it live. I watched it uh, actually this morning. NBA TV had a replay on, and I watched that game. Probably the least impressive 53-point uh, game I've ever seen. It was kind of like I was just watching it, and then I looked up in the fourth quarter, and he had 45, and I was like, oh, shit, what? Like, so, <laughs> uh, But, you know, obviously concerning, concerning. And uh, this drops, you know, so Philly now is going to be in this sixth seed. I think they'd much rather be in the five seed, probably, maybe. Um, so you are our Sixers fan here. Uh, and it was a good game for Embiid, 41 points in the loss. What were your uh, what were your overall thoughts on your Sixers, man? Um, well, the three guys that you like pay the big big money to looked good. Mm-hmm. Um, Embiid was great. Tobias Harris was great. Um, little inefficient, but great. Yeah. Um, and Ben Simmons was solid, I would say. Um, you know, his, his typical game, 19 points, 13 boards, not quite as many assists. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, absolutely no production from the backcourt or anybody else for that matter. Um, Horford chipped in 10 off the bench in 23 minutes, uh, which is, like, pretty average for him. I, I don't have huge expectations for Horford, but – yeah. Um, defensively is was the problem to me. Um, you know, I listen. I know, and I know T.J. Warren is a guy who can score to basketball, but like fifty three points against a team that's supposed to be like this defensive, right? Stout defensive team. How does that even happen? Like, you know, I have Ben Simmons, you know, as defensive player of the year, and <laughs> I don't know that. I don't know that T.J. I didn't pay too much attention because like you said tj warren's 53 was like pretty like out of nowhere you know throughout the game so i wasn't paying attention to who he was cooking like that but like at what point do you like say yo ben like shut this dude down you know what i mean well, and he was on and takes that challenge he was on him for a while and he did not shut him down <laughs> yeah so it's like okay you can't guard tj warren dude like yeah. for for any stretch of the game that doesn't you know what i mean to, to slow him down that doesn't make any sense to me um, and the biggest problem that the Sixers continue to have is Brett Brown has not figured out how to play Joel Embiid in pick and roll situations. Yeah. He just sits back in the paint and guards come off of that, come off of that ball screen with all the room in the world to operate in the mid range area, or they draw him in and out once, uh, you know, they get into that area. He finally steps up and then they pull him back and get him in a ISO on an Island or a big man in a post-up situation. You know what I mean? It's just, it's not good. Yeah. It's not good defense. Um, yeah. And it's kind of why when people ask, you know, who would you rather have Ben or Joel? It's Ben because yeah. the, the days of having this seven foot two guy sitting back in the paint are, are slowly but surely going away. But right. miles, miles Turner steps out and shoots threes. You know what I mean? So like to have him be sitting that now he was out, you know, early on with foul trouble and yeah. only took five shots in this game. But like, the, it's, it's more to the point where like, how can he defend pick and pop situations sitting that far back? 
you know what I mean? And, and pick and roll situations sitting that far back and guards can just get downhill at will. That is, that's a concern for me. And, and you're talking about the most popular play in basketball is the pick and roll. And we can't defend it when Embiid's on the floor. So that's, that's honestly, that might be the bigger issue than the spacing of Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. Like this pick and roll defense might be a lot worse than that. Um, so, you know, the same issues that are, that were there for the Sixers before are still there, regardless of whether Ben Simmons is playing the point or the four didn't, it, it didn't make any difference, um, because the, the issues that stand out still are the spacing. It's still an issue. Mm -hmm. Um, but the pick and roll defense, um, is an issue. So if we do get the Celtics in the first round, what in the world are we going to do with Kimball Walker? If he's, if he's healthy and, and, and ready to go, what are we going to do with Jason Tatum? If we can't stop TJ Warren? Yeah, it's a big problem. And, and, you know, a lot of TJ Warren's buckets were exactly what you just said, like Miles Turner or Samson or whoever was playing center at the time and Embiid was guarding would come up and, and set a screen and, Embiid would be, you know, six feet off of him standing at the free throw line and he would just pull up and shoot the three. Like, I don't know if that's how Brett Brown coached him a play or if he's just lazy, but, like, it was bad. It was bad defense. And it was noticeable. And it wasn't like it was like, oh, one time it happens and you're like, oh, come on, man. Like, it, like, it was like six or seven times. Like, it was every play. And, like, oh, man, I don't know if, you know, and I don't know. Maybe he's being lazy. Maybe Brett Brown told him to do that because he doesn't want him to get too far extended and maybe get in foul trouble. I would doubt that that's what happened. I would probably think that he was just, you know, having a little laziness there. And then, you know, Sixers on offense, you talk about the spacing. The Pacers kind of took a page from the Miami Heat this year, and they played a ton of zone. They played a ton of zone against the Sixers. Uh, and you know what? In the Sixers actually did an okay job against it. I mean, the Sixers' offense was not bad in this game. It was, you know, they scored 120 points here. Like, Embiid had 41. Um, they, you know, clearly they were doing something right on offense. And they had a lot of open looks. They were able to find, you know, make a couple extra passes. They uh, handful of wide open corner threes that they made the did pretty well shooting tobias harris like you mentioned uh so i don't think the offense is the issue even when teams go zone which i think normally would pose a problem and maybe if indiana had better defenders the way that miami does it would be more of a problem because uh, it, it, miami did cause a lot of problems when they were on zone against philly uh, but i think it's the defense here and you know i wouldn't think that we're going to be saying that with Embiid and simmons just on the surface saying the Sixers defense is going to be the issue uh, but when you play lazy it's the issue it's the issue and we saw Shake Milton and uh, Embiid getting a little scuffle so I don't are you giving up on the Shake Milton experiment after one game what's what, what do you think about that well again like I didn't I don't love Shake Milton to begin with um, yeah. but I, I do think the lineup is better right offensively with him in it um, it's the the real issue is that Shake Milton needs to be Bradley Beal or Devin Booker. Like <laughs> yeah, that's the kind of that's the kind of guard that we need in in that role, or you know, some kind of scoring point guard or something like that. Um, Zach Levine's on the market. I, I, he doesn't play any defense, but like he would be better than Shake yeah. Milton at least offensively. So you know, it's a uh, it's the team structure essentially at yeah. the end of the day. Um, it's the coaching. Um, those things were problems before. They are still problems. Um, yeah. And 
something's, I think something dramatic is going to happen to happen in this off season. Um, as far as like moving in bead, moving Simmons. Yeah. Um, one of those two things has to happen. uh, moving Horford. Well, good luck with that, but (laughs) (laughs) you know, something has to happen, um, where the, the Sixers design their team to play 2020 basketball. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and actually, there was a guy in this game that I think Philly is really missing. And that's T.J. McConnell for uh, for Indiana. Like, he looks good, and I think that he brings a nice piece. Like, I think I'd rather have him starting at point guard right now than Shake Milton. And Shake Milton, um, you know, who is I think a good shooter, had zero points in this game, and so not exactly the the starting lineup debut that that he wanted. Yeah, and see, like, what TJ would bring is that small guard who, like, on those pick and rolls can get into that snake dribble, you know what I mean, yeah. where if you have bigs that are sitting back, he can get into that painted area because he's low to the ground. He can also defend other small guards, you know what I mean, which yeah. we, we don't have anyone who can really do that. Josh might be the best, you know, guard defender that we have, but – you know, that's that's something that the, the Sixers are certainly missing. There's no pick and roll, kind of like the Lakers. There's no pick and roll yeah. presence um, with this team. So, yeah. and you need that in 2020. Yeah, absolutely. You need that in 2020. And uh, it's not looking good for Philly right now. But, you know, the nice thing is there was only been two or three games played now for uh, for these teams. So, you know, probably our opinions about some stuff is going to change here coming up. And we are going to be talking about it. Uh, so guys, make, if you guys enjoyed this video, make sure you're hitting subscribe on the YouTube channel. Share it on your social medias if you enjoyed me and Eli's conversation and you want to hear us talk more. Make sure you're sharing, liking, leave a comment uh, about anything we talked about today. And uh, if you don't have anything about what we talked about today, comment your NBA champion pick. We want to know who you guys think is going to win. I have the Lakers. Are you still sticking with the Lakers? So we've both got the Lakers right now. That could maybe change as things go on, but as of right now, we come, we're come. we taking the Lakers. Comment who uh, you are, are taking to, to win the NBA championship. Uh, what else do we have going on at the All In Network, Eli? Uh, well, All In Politics just dropped an episode recently on Friday. Um, they had a friend of mine, Cody Santiago, who's incredibly informed, um, you know, guy who knows a lot about local politics at the you know state level as well um, who came on they talked about um, the late great John Lewis rest in peace to him um, and and honored him on that show and his legacy um, and and things like that so those of you introduced uh, or interested in in politics check out their show Mm -hmm. Um, we'll have some new articles coming out on the network soon I'm just about done with the 2012 redraft um, we're coming out with a Premier League team of the season from our All In FC panel, so stay tuned for that article. Um, and then, you know, for those of you who are watching here on YouTube, uh, make sure you also go down and uh, to Apple, Spotify, Google, um, and download the audio version of our podcast as well. Um, there, that way, um, you continue to you know show support and. We appreciate you guys tuning in to another episode. Yep. Thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, We are glad NBA is back and we have a lot of different live sports to talk about. So hit subscribe, guys, and we'll be back soon with another video. Thanks for listening to the All In Podcast. See you guys Thursday. 
Hey guys, it's Mike from the All In Podcast. Just wanted to remind you about our merchandise store, teespring.com slash all-in-network. Head on over there and use the promo code ALLINPOD and get 15% off. Support the network. We've got all kinds of t-shirts, hoodies, blankets, phone cases, uh, coffee mugs, really whatever you can get and support the network. We would appreciate it. Go to teespring.com slash all-in-network and use the promo code ALLINPOD to get 15% off. Thanks, guys.